You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number two of The Big Blurt. I am Bobby. And I am Bill. And we are The Big Blurt. Uh, We got an exciting episode this week because we're going to complain a lot. But um, more than anything, uh, we have quite a bit on the roster to get through. So we're going to jump right in. This week, we're going to talk about off-season busts that the White Sox keep running into, uh, the Pakoda, Pakata, however you say it, uh, uh, you know, little statistical rankings. rankings that they give you, uh, some of the Sox moves they've made and more. But first, we're going to jump into some Jerry Reinsdorf stuff. Uh, for those of you who are uh, familiar with the channel, you may have seen the article that went up this week about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and his need to either buy or sell the team that I wrote. And uh, if you did, you might think I'm absolutely insane. And uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you agree. But, Bill, I was curious just to get some of your thoughts. What do you What do you think about Jerry, man? I mean, Jay, okay, first of all, let's just say that Jay, you are right. In your article you wrote, if Jerry Reinsdorf retires now, he will be he will have people will look on his career fondly. Well, if he if he acts or sells. Right. Correct. Correct. So uh, let's think about it. Jerry Reinsdorf is a seven-time champion, six with the Bulls. He owns the Bulls. Uh, I'm sure our viewers know that. Uh, and one with the White Sox in uh, 2005. He's a basketball Hall of Famer, Naismith Hall of Fame in 2016. Um, did you also – here's a little fun fact that I, I don't know that many people know, that he was a public accountant. He was a CPA when he came out of college in Northwestern and, and a lawyer. And one of his first cases was a uh, – was a uh, a tax delinquency of Bill Veck, who 
owned the White Sox at that time, obviously. Uh, so he bought the White Sox in 81 for $19 million, which is crazy. He's the third American owner in sports history to have championships in two different sports. Um, and you said in your article too, he has, he has what, five or six different division titles, um, depending on if you're, if you're counting 05, they win all the way, but also if you're counting 94, which the strike happened, which I personally think they would have won. Uh, had they played that season. Um, yeah. So I, I, there's, there are problems. He was an, he was an anti-union hardliner in, in the nineties when the strikes were going on and he wasn't happy with how it was working out. And I know that, that uh, he didn't think the baseball season would start for years uh, after the 94 strike. Um, yeah. So I, I he, he'll look, looking back on his career and his championships, I think there's more ups than downs, but I, but I do think that if, that if he doesn't do something with the White Sox, at least that portion of what uh, he owns in sports, I don't, I personally probably would go, yeah, he was, he was good. He's the best the White Sox probably ever had as far as championships go. But, but uh, I, I, I couldn't, I know that they will be better. I'm yeah. hoping that they will be better. Without a doubt. And I mean, listen, first and foremost, uh, Billy Biller, the microdoodle dandy. Uh, listen, my man, you, you're so right that he really is uh, probably on the precipice of either going left or right on, or, you know, being good or bad. Um, but I think regardless, you know, I said this in the piece, I think too, he's done much more harm, good than harm. He is a, generally speaking, I think he is on track to be a well, positively, highly well-remembered owner. Um, he just has a lot that he needs to get sorted out in the near term. And if he doesn't, I mean, I just, the point of the piece was, you know, almost a sign of gratitude to the man. He's done a lot for the team, but we're in a position that we've really never been in before. The White Sox are not known for building up farm systems. The White Sox have quite possibly the best young team in baseball. And, you know, there's some comments that I, I was reading through that, seem to, you know, I think are maybe a little too uh, specific in their attempt to, like, you know, uh, argue with points. I mean, Twitter, holy hell, man. People are just mean on Twitter. Yeah, it's, we, yeah, we shit. understand that. But, like, you know, one of the things that is just, for me, so undeniable is the Sox have the best young team, maybe, in the league. You know, uh, I've, I've heard rebuttals that, oh, it's the Dodgers. Oh, no, it's uh, the uh, the Yankees. Well, they're not really young. They're, like, you know, they're more established. Yeah, Aaron Judge is, like, 27 or 28 or whatever, but he's not, like, fresh out of the minors. Right. Luis Robert, I mean, all these all these dudes, they're all 25 and under. This is a young team. Uh, and that, that was sort of the distinction I was making. And Jerry's never really had that before. Every team that he's built that's had some level of success, even Frank Thomas was in his prime when, you know, the White Sox were uh, making their really strong push and that strike. And, you know, obviously he stuck around for a long time for a reason. His prime lasted a long time. But the the, the habits that Jerry has shown over the years just kind of lead me to believe that he's not really – interested in investing beyond what he wants to do you know yeah right so he, he may he may see that more needs to be done but his habit is to say uh ah, you know what i'm just not gonna because i didn't want to initially you know if, in, if you look at him as a person and as 
just overall. And you, you take out the sports factor and the sports emotion. He's an incredible businessman, truly an incredible businessman. And a great dude. And a great yes, dude. He does a lot of community outreach, which is wonderful and for Chicago public schools. And it's awesome. Uh, but, but as far as spending goes with the White Sox or the Bulls, and we know that a lot from, from if everybody's watched the last dance or the end of the end of uh, the Bulls reign there in the nineties, he didn't want to pay them money. And he Still everyone that. in the world has watched the last. I, absolutely. Just for that one person <laughs> out there who hasn't watched it, he didn't want to pay. He didn't want to pay the Bulls their salary. He also doesn't want to pay free agents their salary, which is interesting to me because when he came in, in 1981, he followed the outline of, of Bill Beck and even Comiskey of how getting rid of prospects. He got, he tr- dumped a whole bunch of prospects. He traded a whole bunch of prospects, but he picked up Carlton Fisk and Greg Lazinski, right? So, which are two incredible players. By the way, is- he paid Carlton Fisk half a million dollars a year for five years of a $2.5 million, five million or five-year deal. That's unbelievable. For unbelievable. Uh, I mean, yeah. at the time the money was very different, but. Right. I mean, he bought the team for 19 mil. So that's, that's certainly like, wow, I could get chip in with my buddies. Maybe the team is literally 100 times the value. 1.9 billion is the current valuation. He bought it for 19 million. It's right. 100 times the value. My, the point was the team made you a fortune. Just put some of it back into it to the team that is going to compete. That's Absolutely. It. Absolutely. I mean, he doesn't, he hasn't invested in a long time in players that are coming from different teams. And and why would anybody want to come here when the players know that, when they know that, when they don't see anybody else getting there, when they see Manny uh, Mikado or, or Bryce Harper saying, you know, we're going to go to the, we're going to go to the Padres or we're, you know, we're going to go, or we're going to go to the Dodgers or we're going to go to the Mets. Like all these other teams are picking up these guys because they're worth spending. And yeah, I, you know, in my article that I, I sent out this weekend on Saturday about picking up uh, Yadier Molina as a backup catcher to potentially be the manager, which will not happen because he was picked up by the Cardinals today. Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. It was just a dream. Anyway, uh, you think about these going out there and I, I wrote this thing, I wrote, that they should pick him up for a little less than 30 mil for three years. And yeah, I know that's overspending, but the White Sox at this point now need to overspend for free agents to bring them in. They There's, can't do market they're currently value. underspending they by, are. by a significant margin. They, I would rather see them pay players too much and have enough players than see them try to save money and be seen as shrewd, but then not have enough if competitive balance makes it so they can't keep up after the season. And that brings us to what we were also going to talk about tonight, which is the fact that this offseason is being widely debated as either boom or bust. And obviously there is a lot of reason to think that it's boom. I mean, the Lance Lid trade was really shrewd. I love what Rick Hahn did turning Dane Dunning, who I don't foresee as necessarily being a really elite starter a four or five for this for his career but a solid four or five i I was gonna say i think i think that you know people were thinking he's the next greg maddox i don't see it and giving him up for lance lynn who is a top 10 cy young contender for you know year after year right now i mean that's that's a great trade bringing tony la russa i was not high on that move initially for me the point i've come to is you know what prove me wrong just win Go out and win. 
make make the most of this sign or uh, of bringing in him as the manager. Liam Hendricks, great great deal. I, I love that he he. I don't think he's making a ridiculous amount of money. I think eleven million dollars for the year is totally reasonable. Right. And I think I, it's around fifty fifty six million for four years if he something like whether that. or not he takes that option. Yeah. And and uh, you know, for me to have somebody like that in the as the fulcrum of the bullpen, sign me up. I'm all about it. The only thing is, you know. Those deals, along with signing Adam Eaton, you know, who is fine. And if he's the worst player on the team, great. But, like, there are still so many holes. And our biggest signing, Liam Hendricks, only replaced a player we already had who was pretty decent. Yeah, absolutely. Alex Colme, a great closer. And he's with the Twins now, which which puts him against us every time we play them. And they're going to absolutely be our biggest rival. Without a doubt. And and that, that brings me to my question to you. Miller Banky did what 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 do you what do you think about the White Sox chances given that players like George Springer, Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna, Nelson Cruz who resigned with the Twins, Michael Brantley, all these guys who would have fit into the White Sox lineup like a glove and would have filled the hole exactly the way that it needed to. That's what she said what do you think bill what what are your thoughts what what are we going to do this year that's what uh, i want to know this this was a big bust and we will obviously get into more of how we're going to do uh analytically st- stats wise is the off season overall a bust or is it just not I, is it like on the fence I think it's on the fence. I think we could on the on the side of the fence that is bust, but at the very top of that fence. I think we if they had signed one other person, maybe a little bit better than Eaton or somebody to like maybe if they were to go out and get Jackie Bradley Jr., who has just been at the bottom end of consistent mm-hmm. for his career, maybe we can look at it and be like, Okay, yeah, hey. this is okay off season, right? Cause I know they're saving a lot of money for midway through the season. That's what Rakan said. And that's what they're going to do. But like, we don't know how we're going to fare in the beginning or we don't know how we're going to fare in the end. So it's kind of like you, we really needed to throw all our eggs in this off season. I, I would say it's on the side of the fence of bust. I think they should have thrown money at Springer. I think they should have. I don't know if they were talking to Bauer for a while and you look at it and you, you maybe in hindsight, you're like, okay, that was a, that was a great good thing. We didn't get him, but they should throw their money at a, at a pitcher because they don't know how Mikey Kopech is going to do. They don't know how Dylan Stacey is going to do. No, they don't. And that's why I was such a proponent for signing Bauer. Ultimately, I'm actually relieved he didn't because, boy, that media train circus he was putting on thinking that he was like the first person to ever talk about sports in the offseason was just so obnoxious. And, I mean, he, yeah. quite, quite frankly, I'm kind of glad he's Los Angeles' problem. But he would have been – a, a really good piece for a team that needed that exact piece. Now, if you're asking me, based on the deal he got from the Dodgers, if the White Sox would have given him three years for a hundred whatever million, give him his forty million annual value, just to let, let him be there until he's thirty four and kind of shepherd in this new wave of youth that isn't yet ready, I think that's a great move. George Springer, I think obviously I would not have wanted somebody from the Houston. Uh, scandal to ideally have been the the crux of a new generation of players, but we didn't have any other options. And if he's were, what you need to spend your money on, that's not a it's not a terrible thing to do. So for me, I look at those guys and I go, well, of course, why wouldn't you go for them? And yeah, I think that not going for them 
classifies this somewhat as a bust. I think that the offseason as a whole, the White Sox underperformed. They, they came out of the gates hot. They, they signed Adam Eaton right away. They traded for um, Lance Lynn right away. And it took them a little bit, but they got Liam Hendricks like six weeks later or whatever. And since then, aside from, you know, bringing a Tony LaRusso to manage and Ethan Katz to be the pitching coach, there's really not been anything of consequence. Jonathan LaCroix, who's known for his framing and like maybe will hit 210 in the majors still as a backup catcher. Okay. Like cool. I, I just, I don't know that the White Sox have done enough to make them the favorites. And that's actually been a really huge point of contention on Twitter. I've seen people are calling each other nasty names on Twitter right now, debating over whether or not the Sox are good, just based on these Pakoda, Pakata, you, you know. Say Pakoda, right? I say Pakata. Yeah, you Pakoda, know. Pakata. Yeah, I would say it's so. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, running in my head ever since Pakoda, I read it. Pakata, Pakata. What could it be? It's like, uh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't remember the lyrics. These are your wins. Anyway, so yeah. okay, <laughs> back to baseball. Um, but, but you know, tw- Twitter is really blowing each other up over this, and people are you know calling each other nasty names about whether or not the White Sox are going to be good this year. Obviously, the emotions are high. I think because everyone's a little worried that they might not be as good as we thought, and well, that's that- because look really quickly. Think about what Minnesota has done just in the last couple of weeks. They brought back Nelson Cruz. They also signed Anderson Simmons, who, you know, that's kind of a lukewarm signing. He's over the hill. He's not going to hit, but he's the best defensive shortstop in baseball, probably up there with him and Javi, maybe. Uh, they also um, signed Alex Colomay. And, you know, assuming that uh, Polanco ships over to second base with Donaldson, Simmons, Sanu, that's a that's a really good infield. Goes punch for punch with us, that's for sure. And Buxton in center field, maybe the best defensive center fielder aside from Luis Robert. Uh, and you know, uh, is he going to hit the same as Luis Robert? I don't know. Can Luis Robert really hit? We haven't really seen him go through a full season yet. Obviously, yeah, he, and he, he fell apart at the end of last season, right? These are all legitimate concerns, and the White Sox still have two holes in their lineup at DH and right field. I am not set on a eaten angle platoon and we don't have a dh we still have maybe two holes in the rotation if dylan cease makes progress great i love dylan cease i love his stuff i think he's capable of being a true one i want him to get there i just don't think he is yet and ronaldo lopez you know carlos rodon is that really who we're hoping i hope rodon makes a comeback i love him i i'm rooting for him i Honestly, think if anybody has as good of a chance of anything to make a bounce back year, it's him. But hey, that's the Jerry Reinsdorf in you. That's the Jerry Reinsdorf move, and it's not always worked out in the past. So, you know, what 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 is the prospect of the White Sox compared to the Pakota rankings, the Pakona Pakata rankings? What, what do you see the White Sox finishing the year at with a record? I want to say it's above eighty three wins. I, I don't. I think that, that I do makes, too. I think can, that makes can, no can sense. you give a definitive number? Uh, I would say 89. Okay. Go You're going sub 90. Yeah. Uh, because of the back end of the rotation right now, because of Cease and, and Kopech and the fact that we don't have a solid uh, right fielder and the fact that we don't have a backup catcher because McCann was awesome for us and McCann put us through a lot. And uh, Colome was the closer in a lot of games. And and I, I have a hard time trusting players coming in when they were uh, bad for many years and then good and then coming in. So I, like, uh, like McCann, I'd love to see how he does on the Mets. And I'd, 
I want to see how Hendricks does with the Sox. And if I you have I, anyone in your mind that could come in mid-season through trade if it is that the White Sox are making a push and don't seem to have a formidable dominance over the league or they have a very glaring need in, in the lineup or the rotation, is there someone that you foresee that they could potentially make a move for that would fill in that hole? I have a couple of ideas in mind, but I'm curious what you think. Uh, well, first thing that comes to mind, and I have to do a lot of thinking about this because I'm sure there are far better pitchers that the Sox could trade, but I, I think Hendricks would be a good four uh, from the Cubs. Uh, I think he would be good. I think he would be A good. double deal with Bryant and Hendricks? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, bring bring Bryant into right field. Picotta Picotta has the Cubs winning more games than the White Sox this year. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would. I, I'd. I could see that. And uh, you need to restart your computer, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you you have a software update that hasn't been downloaded. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, for me, I, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm going. It, it, you know, I, I would love to see Herman Marquez or Luis Castillo be my dream. Come in uh, to come be you know a cornerstone starter for the Sox. I think if we were to get Castillo, that would require giving up someone like a Crochet and a Kelly, maybe even uh, someone higher. I hope the White Sox are not trading Kopech. They've waited on him this long. And I, from what I saw in his major league stuff, compared to you know what we know the stuff that he has in his arsenal that will be developed over time, I think that he's sort of like – still the best young pitching prospect in our organization. And I don't want to see him go anywhere. I would rather, if you asked me if I had to pick which of the three Kelly crochet and Kopech, I'd want to keep for pitching. I would say Kopech, but if like we had to trade the other two guys to get someone like Luis Castillo, that would make me really happy. I also wonder if there's still a deal to be made with Texas for Joey Gallo, because that, that team is clearly selling off assets. Like they're going out of business and yet they're holding on to a gold glove right fielder who hits 40 home runs a year. So I, I, I see him fitting into the White Sox lineup really well. He's a lefty bat. He can slot on the six. He does, you, you wouldn't put him three or four in our lineup. And if he's okay with that, hitting like five or six in the lineup, boy, that's a murderer's row when you knock down truly magical, magical all the way to the ninth slot. I mean, wow. And he lives there for two or three years. I mean, what a lineup that, that would just be so, so dominant. Well, yeah. I mean, you got short fences at, at guaranteed rate. So of course, Gal is going to destroy the ball. Let's just call it a rule right now. Future going for this podcast. We're calling, we're calling Sox Park Comiskey forever. Yeah. Okay. okay. You know what? We, we owe it to the Comiskey family and all they did for the White Sox. We are going to continue to carry out. I will, I refuse to call the ballpark guaranteed right field. That is a, that is an insult to both the White Sox and insurance. It's a great field. Home lending. Uh, All right. Well, let me ask you a question. How would you feel if the Sox went out and got Odorizzi? You know, I like Odorizzi. I think that he's capable of being one of the most competent four or fives in the league if he's healthy and you know, obviously he, he throws some gas and we could use a little veteran leadership. I, I'm all for it. I I just don't foresee the white Sox spending money on him. If they haven't given it to people who deserve it more that they right. let go by the wayside. Right. I would, I, I would love to see a guy like that come in. Uh, he can pitch five, put seats in front of him, whatever. Mm-hmm. He had a terrible 2020, but other than that, he's been what three to four each year he's pitched in the majors, three to four ERA, something like that. He hasn't had really, 
that bad of an ERA until last year. I wouldn't even mind Cole Hamels. I know he's 37, but he had a terrible year last year, but he's also three to four uh, ERA or something like that. So like these, these guys can also teach the young kids something, which is like what we want Lance Lynn to do and what we want Dallas to do, and which they already are. Cause I think Dallas really helped out uh, okay. Giolito and, and, the young guys too um Absolutely. crochet all those guys uh how would you feel about bringing in tyler flowers as a backup catcher <laughs> get out of here bell <laughs> just the real <laughs> we don't need him you know i just don't i listen tyler flowers wish him all the best I, I hate that he did really well in Atlanta after doing really bad for us. I know. I, it, like, just makes me so upset. And, you know, for that reason alone, I say, well, if you're not going to pay somebody who actually deserves the money, why would you give someone like him a shot? But he right. fits right in with the Jerry mold of plans, that's for sure. Um, we're going to give it up to a new segment that we're going to do. Uh, we're calling it the uh, You Can Put It on the Board. And what we're going to do here is we're going to we're going to go back and forth and list the bold prediction for what we think we're going to do. And and Bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna go as far as to say let's not only give a prediction for a player, let's give a prediction for a scenario, and let's give a prediction for the uh, how we'll end the season. And I'll start okay. with you. What 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 player are you going to make a bold prediction for, and what is the prediction? Adam Engel is my bold prediction. Ooh. And Adam Engel will take the starting role in right field over Adam Eaton due to injury. Ooh, and then keep it. And then keep it. And Adam Engel will bat over 290. Wow. I mean, he looked really good last year. Yeah. It was a shortened season, but uh, taking the fans out of the stands really did it for him. Holy, holy hell. He was, he was having a great year. I honestly. For me, like that, that's why I say, why even spend the money on Eaton? Yeah, right. Well, save the eight million bucks and give it to anybody else. Uh, yeah, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for Cespedes to come up, then just like don't even sign Eaton at this point. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, you know. Also, on that note, I'm not sold that Cespedes is going to be ready to go next year. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's bold. It, it could happen. Who knows? But you know, all things considered, uh, we'll see. Uh, my bold prediction for a player is on my boy Nicky Two Strikes, Mr. Nick Madrigal. I'm going to go ahead and say that not only does Nick Madrigal lead the league in contact rate, I'm also going to say that he moves up in the lineup at some point to the top three. I would love to see Mr. Nicky Two Strikes being the first bat that pitchers need to see in a lineup bringing maybe T.A. down to the two slots so he has more chance for opportunities and bumping Moncada down to the five so that he can be batting behind. Or, or listen, I really like this idea, doing a, doing a, a Madrigal T.A., a Breu, him, uh, Moncada, Jimenez, Yasmani. Because in that instance, you go from three to six, you have four guys who are – undertakers with the ball they they end balls lives it's not even fair how hard they crush the baseball and if you have both ta and madrigal trying to get on base before them that's filthy i can absolutely see that and i can even see i could see angle at i could see angle even at a number one with his speed 
Agreed. Agreed. See that. Put this on the board, Bill. Where do you see the Sox finishing in the standings? Throughout the whole league or the actual Let's do let's do division first and then let's do how will they finish in the postseason if they make it. Okay, so I said eighty nine games, but I'm gonna bump it up one. I'm gonna say they're gonna win ninety. Okay. And they're gonna take the division. Okay. They're gonna uh play the Yankees. Mm-hmm. In the uh, championship, American League championship, and this is where it gets sad. But I don't think they're going to make it past the Yankees this year. With their pitching staff, I don't see it either. At least not as of yet. If a trade is made for an elite pitcher at some point during the season, I could over- see that being overcome. But I-, I would agree with that, Bill. Yeah, I- I'm going to say uh, I-, I have the over under at 91.5 wins. That's kind of where I think the m- people are saying like 91, 92. I I think the Sox are going to go under that. I think they're going to finish in the 88 to 90 range, kind of like you do. Uh, and I think they're going to get in on a wild card. I think the Twins are going to win the division one more time. Um, I do think the Sox will take over in the future, assuming they continue to progress the way that they have. But this year, I think that the first full 162 uh, with this young roster keeps them from dominating the division, but they'll still be well in the hunt. Uh, and and I don't know how far they're going in the postseason. Obviously, it depends on matchup. But I foresee a big trade coming. I think that at a certain point, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are going to say, "Look, man, we gotta we gotta get one more guy, please." And my hope is that it would happen. And if that's the case, I think that there's a really good chance the White Sox can be just about anyone in the American League in the postseason. The Yankees are the matchup I'd be scared of. I'd actually rather play the Twins, who I would foresee being a struggle for us in the regular season. I'd rather play them in the postseason because the Twins are terrible in the postseason. <laughs> and, and if, especially if it's maybe the first round, I would love to see it. If it's just the three pitchers that we have, Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn going against um, the twins rotation who is deeper than ours but doesn't have any one particular player who stands out above the rest at least not significantly i would say we have that uh that advantage but for me i'm gonna say sneak in on the wild card maybe get through the first round and then get eliminated in the alcs just uh depending on the matchup Uh, now if we play someone let's say let's say for example the angels make a resurgent year and we play against them. I wouldn't be, we could beat the angels. We could beat the angels. We could also beat somebody like the A's or the rays. If they continue to see their success, someone that would scare me would be Toronto, but they don't have the pitching that we do. So I also like that matchup. It really would just depend on if we play New York. Let me just say this, that you say the wild card for the white Sox, but, uh, Picada or Picota, uh, player imperial comparison and optimization algorithm, test algorithm, ranked the White Sox with 83 wins, right? Cleveland mm-hmm. at 86 and the Twins at 91. So just saying they're not counting out Cleveland, so I guess we shouldn't either. No, Cleveland, I, I actually said in my piece about Jerry that Cleveland is going to be someone we need to worry about. Never mind the fact that they had the best statistical pitching staff in baseball last year. Jose Ramirez is still a perennial MVP candidate batting in the middle of a lineup that is surrounded by a bunch of really good youngsters. It doesn't matter to me that they lost 
um, Francisco Lindor or Carlos Santana. I think both of them were great hitters, but that team is still really good. Josh Naylor, uh, Ahmed Rosario. I mean, th- that's a good team, and and the White Sox should still take them very seriously. I think the Pakota Pakata's uh, rankings of the Sox was a little unfair, but um, ultimately, I think that they're right. We still need to be keeping Cleveland uh, in the in in our in our sights, but. Um, we got to wrap it up here, Bill. Let's, let's, let's get to the bottom nine here. Uh, tell, tell me about the Chicago bears. What's going on with them, man. They're fumbling. They're fumbling hard. Yeah. I, uh, I just don't uh, Watson. Obviously the Texans aren't going to trade Watson. They said that, um, which is fine. Uh, apparently rumor has it that there was not even really a deal for Carson Wentz, which I'm not even sure that that would be the case, but if they're going to do something, they need to, to trade now, if they want a quarterback, they're going to agreed. Need- and let me just say that if Carson Wentz comes here instead of Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to go be a LA Rams fan. <laughs> well, they're, uh, they're looking good. I mean, they 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 got a nice deal for Goff. So absolutely, that what a, what a great deal for them. Um, let's let's talk about the Bulls for a second here, R- really quickly. I just want to say, boy, this is a good young team, but man, they are bad at closing out games. Yep, yep, they're nine and fourteen right now, and they just can't do it. They're losing. It, they they're losing could multiple be. games. They could be 15 and eight. This is a team that could potentially have the best record in the East right now. And they, Absolutely. they are terrible at, down the stretch. I mean, and it's just, it's terrible luck. Look at, look at what Levine did the other night. He had the ball. He had a perfect open lane with being down by one. He could have taken the lead with a easy layup and he missed it. I mean, it's just everything is going wrong for the Bulls right now. Yeah. They're losing games for by three, four or five points. And that's just, Do you think Levine stays in the Bulls this year or is he traded? Is anyone traded? I guess depends on who's willing to trade. If there's a if there's a big star that's looking for a young guy like Levine, I would say the Bulls can do it. I think but, Novis is going to try and make some moves. I think he wants draft capital. I think he wants to rebuild this team in his vision. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, let's let's finish up on the Super Bowl here. What do you think about Brady? Seven championships. Reinsdorf. He's in the no. Reinsdorf territory. He's the go. You know, I, I've been seeing this argument too that. Uh, I actually think it's really valid that Serena Williams is the greatest because she's won 23 Grand Slam titles. And listen, yep. that's, that's fully valid. My, my, the, I think that misses two points, though. One is that tennis it has four championships a year. Football, basketball, they only have one. Um, so she has, she's four times as likely to win. If you divide that number by four, well, she's got like four or five, which is great. She's incredible. Uh, and I think regardless of gender uh, and regardless of sport, she's one of the greatest athletes in the history of athleticism of athletics but the other thing is that tennis is a solo sport and you only have to count for yourself i think what makes you know jordan and brady so special uh particularly brady is in this instance is you know he he's got to account for 10 other men on the field absolutely i if you're gonna look if you're gonna take michael jordan and call him the greatest uh, athlete of all time the greatest basketball player of all time you look at the team he had and we know this from the last dance obviously but you look at Pippen, you look at how good he was. You look at uh, Steve Kerr and what he added to the team, Luke Longley, all those guys, Ron Harper. Uh, Brady had that with the Patriots and he had good players with the, the Buccaneers, but moving to Tampa and winning a championship in his first year there, that sealed year the one. deal for me. Yep. That sealed the deal. He was. That- I still think Jordan is the greatest um, of any collective sport. But Brady's the greatest football player of all time. I think absolutely, it's undeniable. Um, 
it's it sucks that the for, for Mahomes that you know his receiver core just couldn't get it together. And I, I know it's a point you were making, and I couldn't agree more. But um, you know, I, I think the Chiefs have a lot to look forward to. It was it was a tough loss, and Mahomes, even though even though Todd Bowles shut him down, boy, he looked really great. But um, the the Chiefs, the, their future is not done. Um, yeah, if you can pull, if you can lay down on your side and throw a pass, a 30-yard pass, you're a great quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Next level. Yeah. Um, Bill, uh, on a little personal note, between you and I, as huge baseball fans, we we both lost a little bit of a hero this week. Mr. Pedro Gomez uh, suddenly died at a very young age, 59. Um, Do you have any words that you'd like to pass on in his memories? Real bummer, and we wish uh, the best to his family uh, and colleagues at ESPN. Uh, I from everything I've heard, the nicest human being on earth and knew his stuff about baseball and somebody that I could always count on listening to. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, rest in peace to a legend. And um, that'll do it for this week on the big blurt with uh, Bobby and Billy. Um, we're out of time, but we want to thank you all so much for tuning in with us. Uh, next week, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So please make sure you tune in um, for now. Uh, I have been Bobby and I've been Bill. And we are grateful that you're here. Wear a mask, take care of each other, and we will see you real soon. Take care.